Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today. It is a great day of celebration in so many respects. We celebrate the risen Lord today as we do every Sunday here at First Baptist Church. And it's a great day because you are here. We're so thankful for that. If you are our guest today, if you would consider yourself a first-time person, first-timer with us, we are so delighted that you are here. And we especially want to give a warm welcome to all of you. If you are, uh, uh, whoever you are and whatever has brought you to this place today, we want to pray for you every week. And in your, in your worship guide, there is a connection card. Is it at the bottom of the panel? If you'll just take the time to fill that out, tear it off and fill it out and place it in the offering plate, that gives our staff great pleasure every Tuesday afternoon at 1.30 to pray for all of you and it helps us get to know you a little bit better. If you are visiting with us today, we want you to make sure that you uh, join our pastor and his wife at the conclusion of our service out in the foyer so that we might give you a free gift, a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. It is our gift to you for being here today. It is indeed a very special day today as we recognize our graduates. We will begin that here in just a few minutes. But before we begin, would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this day. We are so thankful for uh, the season of life that so many of our graduates and their families find themselves in. And today, Father, we just pray your richest blessings on them. A new era of life begins, and Father, as our pastor will remind us today, I pray that they will take you with them in every area of their life. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this place. We welcome you here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please, for the procession of our graduates?
Thank you so much. You can be seated. At this time, we'd like to recognize our graduates. Please hold your applause until the last name has been read. Grace Kane. Grace is the daughter of Brian and Allison Kane. She is graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend Louisiana Tech University to major in biomedical engineering. Throughout her high school career, Grace lettered in orchestra and participated in Key Club, Link Crew, Geek Squad, National Honor Society, Fellowship of Christian Students, Young Women's Empowerment Group, Green Club, Interact Club, Chamber Orchestra, All State Orchestra, Act 30 Club, and Knitting Club. She also participated in Louisiana Regional Rally and State Rally. Grace was recognized for Rapids Parish Student of the Month and was a Student of the Year nominee. She scored a 32 on her ACT and will graduate with a 4.3 GPA in the top 5% of her class. In addition to school, Grace participated in La Basic, Actines, Upward, VBS, and with the Louisiana Children's Mission Camp. Ms. Grace Kane. Caroline Elizabeth Devaney. Caroline is the daughter of Blake and Liz Morrison and the late Glenn Devaney. She is graduating from Grace Christian School and plans to attend the University of Louisiana at Monroe to major in nursing. Throughout her high school career, Caroline lettered in varsity basketball, basketball all four years, participated in beta, and was voted vice president of the Honor Society. She will graduate with a 3.8 GPA. In addition to school, Caroline loved helping out with VBS at First Baptist Church. Ms. Caroline Devaney. <laughs> Preston Hebron. Preston is the son of Stephen and Kim Strother. He is graduating from Trinity High School's home study program and plans to attend LSUA to major in psychology. His future ambitions include advocating for kids who are struggling with the autoimmune disorder, PANDAS. Throughout his high school career, Preston has bravely overcome health obstacles that led to the absence of two years of school. But Preston has worked tirelessly to make up for lost time and graduate in 2019. He is excited to turn the page and see what else God has in store for his future. Mr. Preston Hebron. Sarah Elizabeth Hilburn. Sally is the daughter of Fred and Elizabeth Hilburn. She is graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend University of Louisiana Monroe to major in nursing and minor in music. During her high school career, Sally lettered in cross country, theater, choir, and was an academic letterman for cross country. She also ran track for two years. Sally served as president of the Fellowship of Christian Students and PHS Choir, as well as in the National Honor Society, Anchor Club, Key Club, and Yuppie Yearbook staff. Awards include All A Honor Roll, Who's Who, District, and State Rally, Most Outstanding Chamber Choir Member, Platinum ACT Career Readiness Medal, and a host of others. She will graduate with a 4.27 GPA. At FBC Pineville, Sa Sally was a member of the Praise Band, Youth Choir, La Basic, volunteered for Upward Basketball, VBS, Mission Arnoldville, Mission Arlington, and completed all steps and act teens. Ms. Sally Hilburn. Evan Reed Knapp. Evan is the son of John and Stephanie Knapp. 
He is graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend LSUA to major in anything but math. <laughs> his future ambitions include to become a professional fisherman. Throughout his high school career, Evan participated in baseball and bass club and earned Angler of the Year. His favorite memory of high school was winning many fishing tournaments and participating in the state high school fishing tournament all four years. He is most excited about or looking forward to fishing as much as possible. <laughs> Mr. Evan Knapp. <laughs> Olivia Vircher. Olivia is the daughter of Teresa and Terry Spruill and Glenn Vircher. She is graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend Louisiana State University to major in business with a concentration in marketing. Throughout her high school career, Olivia lettered in academics and theater. She participated in theater, key club, anchor club, geek squad, link crew, national honor society, golf, and a member of the 2018 homecoming court. She will graduate with honors having a 3.8 GPA. In addition to school, Olivia participated in D-NOW, LSU Leadership U Camp, and Summer Youth Camp. Miss Olivia Vircher. Benjamin Stewart West. Ben is the son of Stewart and Deanna West. He is graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend the USMA to major in engineering. Throughout his high school career, Ben lettered in football, baseball, soccer, and academics. He was recently named ACA Athlete of the Year and scored a 28 on his ACT. While in school, Ben participated in National Honor Society, Link Crew, was president of the Anchor Club, as well as the student body president and student council. He is most excited about the opportunities he will get from West Point and meeting new friends. Mr. Ben West. <laughs> Ms. Madison Williams. Madison is the daughter of Paul and Stacy Williams. She is graduating from Pineville High School and plans to attend Northwestern University to major in nursing. Throughout her high school career, Madison lettered in cheer and participated in Key Club, Student Council, Link Crew, Geek Squad, Buddy Club, and National Honor Society. She will graduate with a 4.0 GPA. Her favorite memory of high school was cheering and hanging out with friends at football games. She is most excited about finishing high school and going to college. Miss Madison Williams. Please give another big round of applause to all of our 2019 high school graduates. And if you are another graduate, um, a college graduate, a grad school graduate, uh, we'd also like to give you a round of applause as well. So let's do that right now. And now Pastor Stewart has a special presentation. Our students are amazing, aren't they? I mean, just amazing uh, achievements, and we're so proud of you all. This can often be a first step, and you keep going on and on and on, and we want to recognize this morning one who has become to the place where he has a terminal degree now, and that is Dr. Rusty Tryon. Rusty, would you come up here? We want to recognize you. Rusty's graduating from Liberty University with a Doctor of Ministry in Discipleship 
with high distinction and he gets to continue his ministry as librarian at Louisiana College and then serving the Lord here at First Baptist and also being a great dad and a father and a husband and so we wanted to just give you a special recognition today as well. Let's join together now in praying for all of our graduates today. Lord, we are so grateful for life, and we're grateful for the various things that you allow us to do in life. And Lord, those various moments and achievements are marked by milestones. And so, God, we're grateful for the milestones that we've recognized today in these students' lives, as well as those graduating from college, those getting their master's in, and Rusty getting his doctorate. Lord, we celebrate what you have done in all of these individuals' lives, and we ask, Lord, that you would do amazing more things as they move forward in the rest of their lives. Lord, we educate ourselves so that we can be sharpened for the ministry that you have for us, whether that is a ministry calling within the church or ministerial, missional vocations, or whether that's a ministry in what we normally call secular vocations. Every calling on our lives is ministry. And so, Lord, we pray that we would all fulfill the ministry that you've called us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're thankful for the Lord's faithfulness in the life of our graduates and the Lord's faithfulness in our own lives today. Amen. And we pray that blessing as well. Would you join me as we sing together some great songs of faithfulness today? Let's stand and sing together. I believe in the sun, I believe in the risen one, I believe I overcome by the power of his blood,
Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we come here today to recognize and to appreciate the work that the graduates in our church have done, we commend them to you, and we ask you to bless them as they go into this new phase of their life. Bless them in such a way that they may bless other people and that they may walk a path that is in keeping with your will. Father, as we give these offerings, we pray that our church will be walking in a path that is in keeping with your will and the funds that we put together today and in other days will be used to further your kingdom. For we ask in thy name. Amen.
What a great and powerful word from our choir today. Thank you, choir and orchestra, for leading us in worship this morning. Church family, Rebecca and I want to thank you for your care for our family. Over the last few weeks since her surgery, uh, several of you were there uh, the day of the surgery, and then you've reached out. Since that time, our refrigerator has been full of food, our counters have been full of cake, and now our waistlines are full of fat. So thank you very much for helping us to expand our family during the last few weeks. But uh, these last few weeks have really demonstrated to us personally that here at First Baptist Church Pineville, we really do life together. And so thank you for that. And I'm glad that we live that way because we need, we need that. We need one another. We need to care for one another. We need to show concern for one another. We need to do life together. But do you know what else we need to do? Do you know what else you need? And that is to do life with Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. If there was just one thing that I could tell our graduates today, it would be to do life with Jesus. Last night at our senior banquet, we had a beautiful time of recognizing our graduates and Josh Miller shared some great insights he's learned as a college student, things the Uh, students can take with them into college. Zach uh, shared some things, uh, some wisdom from his own experience as well. But one thing that kind of sums it all up is to do life with Jesus. And that is, that goes for all of us, no matter our stage of life. I mean, elementary school kids, just learning about Jesus, you need to do life with Jesus. Teenagers starting to stretch your wings a little bit, You need to do life with Jesus. Single adult seeking God's direction, do life with Jesus. Uh, Young married couple, just kind of figuring it all out, do life with Jesus. A new, new parents snuggling that little baby, do life with Jesus. Preschool parents, Just trying to hold on for dear life. (laughs) Do it with Jesus. (laughs) Teenage parents, growing in your prayer life. Do life with Jesus. Empty nesters, enjoying freedom. (laughs) Do life with Jesus. And widows and widowers, still adjusting to that new normal that you don't really like. Do life with Jesus. Today, please turn in your copy of God's Word to John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. This chapter is an epilogue to John's gospel. If you're reading through the book of this this gospel and you get to John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, the, the gospel sums up really nice and neatly, especially in verse 31 where John says, but... Uh, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Period. Great place to put the end, but it doesn't stop. John rolls right into another story. And this story is a living parable of how we should do life with Jesus. It's a story of contrast. And as we read this story together, I want you to notice what it's like when you do life without Jesus, and then what it's like when you do life with Jesus. John continues his gospel saying, Afterward, Jesus appeared again 
to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and that is the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were there. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fists, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. And this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now, on that particular day, I doubt that any of the disciples had any idea that they were living out a parable. But John, who was there, apparently sometime later, realized that they had been part of a story to teach a lesson and so he included it here for us. John's realization was probably prompted by a memory. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells us that three years earlier, there had been another story almost just like this one, but at the beginning of Jesus' ministry instead of the end. Luke tells us that Jesus had come to Peter and Andrew and then James and John on a similar morning after they had been fishing all night while they were cleaning their nets and maybe even it was in this exact same spot. And on that day three years ago, Jesus had uh, asked Peter to put his boat out a little from shore. Jesus had gotten in the boat and taught the people. And then when he finished teaching, he said, Peter, put your boat out into the deep water and let down your nets. And Peter had looked at Jesus and said, Master, we have fished all night and not caught anything. But nevertheless, we'll do what you tell us to do. And so Peter took his boat out into the deep water. He let down his nets. And as the nets were brought back up, they were so full of fish that the nets began to break. And so Peter and his associates on, on his boat motioned for the other boat to come, which was presumably the boat of James and John. They came and they filled both boats so full of fish that they began to sink. When they got back 
Peter was so astonished, he fell at the Lord's feet and he said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. But Jesus had said to Peter, Don't be afraid. Because from now on, you're going to fish for men instead of fish. And so that day, Peter and Andrew and James and John and the others with them left everything they had and followed Jesus. And that had been three years earlier. And every day of the last three years, these guys had spent with Jesus. They watched him heal people. They listened to him teach people. And for three years, they did life with Jesus. And then things changed drastically. Jesus was arrested and crucified. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And then he would appear to them from time to time. And during those appearances, Jesus had told them to go on and meet him in Galilee. And so therefore, over the last several days... These disciples had traveled the 80 or so miles north from Jerusalem to Galilee. And can you imagine the conversations as they traveled? Uh, I imagine they rehashed the stories that they had experienced over the last three years. I think they started maybe connecting some dots of what they'd seen happen and some things they knew from the Old Testament. And I imagine they even kind of picked on each other a little bit, you know, like, hey, Peter, remember that time you got out of the boat, thought you could walk on water, but you sunk? <laughs> and Peter's saying, yeah, chickens, I at least got out of the boat. Y'all stayed in there. You know, just having a good time, getting together. And they get finally to Galilee. But when would Jesus come to them? I mean, they didn't know, so they waited. And we don't know how long they waited. Did they wait a day, a few hours, a week? We don't know. But what we do know is what happened right before Jesus showed up and right after Jesus showed up. Because this story tells us that. And this story deals with seven of the apostles. We don't know where the others are. It doesn't really matter. But certainly these guys, most of whom were fishermen, had been drawn to the shores of the Sea of Galilee like a kid to candy. And they were there standing on the shore. And I think standing on the shore, the smell of the water was just too much for Peter to handle. And he said, I don't know about y'all, but I'm going fishing. And they all said, that sounds great. So they all got in the boat, they went out, and they had a great night of fishing. It was what one commentator called hearty masculine camaraderie. Over spring break, my oldest son, Zach, and I had some hearty masculine camaraderie in the Henderson Swamp. When Zach turned 10, he said he wanted to have a daddy and Zach vacation. So I Googled around and stumbled across this place where you could rent this houseboat. Now, don't be impressed by houseboat. It's really a fishing camp on pontoons. And, um, and so we were, we were pushed out into the swamp, tied off between two trees, had a little John boat we could go out fishing in. And we had a great time. The weather was perfect. And despite Kevin Bowles making me paranoid about coming back for Easter Sunday all mosquito-bitten, the bugs weren't a problem at all. And, and Zach and I hung out. We played games. We laughed. We read. We fished. It was great. But we didn't catch a thing. We didn't even have a nibble. We just drowned a bunch of worms. And so we got back to the shore having a, had a good time, but having caught nothing. Well, the next morning, these disciples, 
returned to shore as Zach and I did. Haven't had a good time, but haven't caught nothing. And as they returned, Jesus was there. Though they were so bleary-eyed, they didn't know it was him. And he called out, have you caught any fish? And they hollered back, no. Now, that two-letter word right there is evidence that you can know God's word is true because fishermen told the truth. <laughs> However, we don't want to miss the fact that these men caught Nothing, because it's important to the story. It's part of the living parable. And here's a focus point that we need to see. Doing life without Jesus leads to empty nets. You see, this story is not about fishing for fish. It's about a living parable for fishing for men. Unknown to these seven disciples, they were a living representation of the people of God, the church, going out into the sea of the world to fish for men. And that night of fishing for those disciples was a failure by experts. If anyone knew how to fish, these guys did. They were pros. They knew when to use a seine or a trammel net. They knew where to fish and how to fish for that particular kind of fish in that particular spot. But they caught nothing. The same had happened three years before, just before they met Jesus. They had caught nothing. Their labor was in vain without Jesus. And the same is true when it comes to fishing for men. How often does the church go about the work of ministry in the exact same way as these disciples went about fishing that night? We enjoy what we do. And we are experts at it. We have trained strategists and teams and committees. But we go out and fish and catch nothing. Despite the fact that we have increased the number of churches or boats in the water, if you will, our denomination has actually trended downward in terms of baptisms, catches, in the last eight of ten years. Our nets are coming up empty. Have you caught anything? Mmm, not much. We've had a good time, but we haven't caught anything. Why? Might I suggest that we're trying to do life without Jesus? We're such experts and gurus at programs and strategies that we've left Jesus out of the mix. And we're out there on the sea doing our thing, but Jesus is back on shore. And without Jesus, you can witness and accomplish nothing. You can preach and accomplish nothing. You can teach your Sunday school class and accomplish nothing. These disciples in that boat are a reminder to us in this boat that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. So what do we do instead? Well, the first step is our next focus point, and that is admit when you fail. When these guys are asked if they caught anything, they are honest and admit their failure. Now, you know fishermen. Generally, if a fisherman is doing well, he's not going to tell you he's doing well because he doesn't want you to then ask, oh, where are you catching them? Because then you have to tell you where you're catching them. He doesn't want you to hone in on the spot. But then at the same time, a fisherman won't tell you when he's not doing well because then his pride would be hurt. So they lie either way. But these guys admit they've 
failed. A admit when you fail. Failure can be a good thing because as someone says, failure is the most creative phenomenon in life. Failure forces you to look back and assess your past, realize mistakes, learn from them, and then adjust for the future that's ahead. It's often our failure that humbles us enough so that we can finally be a receptacle for what God wants to do in our lives. And that's what happens to these disciples. Jesus yells back to them, Hey, you might try this. Throw your nets on the right side of the boat, and then you'll catch some fish. So here's the next obvious focus point. When we do life with Jesus, our nets get full. When we do life without Jesus, we fail. But when we do life with Jesus, we prevail. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice these guys didn't just pray, Lord, help us have a great fishing trip. No, they got their complete instruction from Jesus. Go out. Throw the nets on the right side of the boat. Jesus gave instruction and they obeyed. Think about this. The difference in success and failure was the width of that boat. Just a few feet separated full nets from empty nets. But the real difference was obedience to Jesus. There's an old song that says, Little is much when God is in it. And when God is in it, our nets get full. Our task as the people of God is not just to have some fun and to, to have a, a great time together, but we are to go out and catch as many people for Jesus as possible so that they might come to the life-giving life that he offers. In fact, there's an interesting fact woven into the end of this story about which scholars just kind of scratch their heads. It's in verse 11 where John says that the net was full of large fish, and he's specific about how many, 153. Now, we're thinking, really, John, do you like go out there? One, two, three, four. Hey, that just doesn't seem like that. Well, we know John doesn't do anything randomly or by chance. So if John put in a specific number here, he did it for a reason. Now, it may not be a literal 153 fish that were there. It may be a spiritual reason that he's put it there. But scholars don't really know. But most seem to think that the 153 is representative of a complete catch of people. Some do some fancy math, and they, they say it represents various groups of people. Others have said, well, there's 153 species of fish, and, and the disciples caught one of everything, showing that, that we can catch anybody with the gospel. Whatever the case, whatever John meant, we'll ask him in heaven one day. But I think what he was getting at is the basic of, basis of everybody's point. When we are obedient to Jesus, we will have nets full of all kinds of people. We're going to reach people for Jesus Christ. I think he's tapping into a parable that Jesus told that Matthew tells us about in Matthew 13 where Jesus said, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. And when it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. These guys were just living out 
a parable that Jesus had told them a year or two before. There's just one more vital focus point that we need to notice today, and that is learn to recognize Jesus. You see, these guys were living post-resurrection, post-ascension, and, and Jesus would appear to them, and then eventually he didn't come back and appear anymore. So it helps us to realize, how do we do life when Jesus is sitting here? Well, we need to learn to recognize him. As the nets come up, John realizes that it's Jesus, and he tells Peter, hey, it is the Lord. And Peter gets so excited that he jumps out of the boat, crashes into the water like a kid doing a cannonball, and then heads to Jesus. The other disciples follow in the boat, hauling in the net. Now, Peter's whole life was spent wanting to get close to Jesus. But it was John who first recognized Jesus. When you love Jesus, you recognize him and point others to him. Sometimes it's other believers who just need to be encouraged in their faith and to grow in their faith. Other times it's non-believers who you want to focus on and help them to see who Jesus is and where he is. I can't tell you how many people have heard about mine and Zach's little trip and asked, did you catch anything? And I laugh and I say no and give some excuses, of course. But there will come a day when we'll be asked that same question. And I pray that the answer will not be no. Because you see, it can't be. And, and that's our last focus point. One day Jesus is going to ask you, did you catch anything? One day you'll come to the heavenly shore and Jesus will ask you, did you catch anything? Did you bring anyone to faith in me? And what will your answer be? Do you really want to tell the master, no? Who is there in your family that needs to know Jesus? Who is there among your colleagues that needs to be caught for Jesus? Did you bring anyone to faith in him. What will your answer be? I hope that your answer will be, yes. I led my children to Jesus. I led my grandchildren to Jesus. <clears throat> I worked in vacation Bible school, and, and I saw a couple of kids in my class come to faith in Jesus. I led a Bible study at my workplace, and over the years I saw several of my coworkers come to faith in Jesus. I invited friends to come to our church and, and be a part, and, and as they came, they were saved. I used my social media for positive influence and not just to gripe about stuff and was able to see people come to faith in Jesus. You see, one day Jesus is going to ask, did you catch anything? Did you catch anything? And what's your answer going to be? I hope that it will be yes. Yes. We had a good time and we caught fish. That's what we want our celebration to be. Let's do life with Jesus. Because life with him is way more productive and better than life without him. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you 
for the faithfulness and unfaithfulness of these disciples who we learn so much from because they are so much like us. So, Lord, help us to be faithful, to share the gospel. Lord, for those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, ignite a passion in us that makes us want to share you with others. And for those in this room who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that today would be the day where they get in the boat, where they see the need of having Jesus Christ at the center of their life, where they repent of their sin, and where they turn to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Move now in this room, Holy Spirit, is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Our song of invitation today is one that says, Take my life and let it be consecrated to you, O Lord. May that be our prayer for those of you who are believers, renewing again your commitment to the Lord Jesus to be fishers of men. And for those of you who are not yet believers in Jesus Christ, then we extend the invitation to you. And we would pray that your prayer would be, Lord, take my life and use me for your kingdom's glory. I need to be saved. I want to be transformed by the power of the gospel. I'll be down front if you have a decision that you want to make to be saved, to come and ask me to pray with you about something, or maybe to come and unite with this church family. But as we stand and sing, this is the time to make those decisions. No one leaving, everybody waiting for this time of the Lord to move as we sing. Take my life and let it be constant.